Hello and welcome. This is episode three of The Sterling Show, and this is Shaping Success into Habit. I'm your host, Matt. And I am Nate. And we are going to start off following this book that we've been talking a lot about, The War of Art. And this is Turning Pro. This is a mindset shift. And it's part of the book that we want to preface a little bit. Yeah, so a lot of what we've been going over previously to this has kind of been building up to this episode just because this is when you start getting into the daily life applications or the information that you are going to, you know, apply yourself. Correct, yeah, and we want to talk a little bit about you know, this is technically a self-help podcast. That's, you know, the genre that you'd put it in. And the book states that turning pro happens in an instant. And I wish it did. And sometimes you can find a point maybe where it did. But a lot of people look at these points in their life, these big changes, and they look at it through the lens of motivation. Right? Like maybe your room's really dirty and it's dirty for a week and you have all of a sudden you have this burst of motivation to clean. That's not turning pro. That's not, that's not the mindset shift that we are looking at. And unfortunately the book's in a very privileged position where when they say it happens in an instant, when they say, Oh, all you have to do is turn pro. That seems really easy. And it's just not the kind of, self-help that we want to promote i think in a way it's very idealistic Mm -hmm. um maybe like dumbed down a little bit um just for the sake of the just for the sake of views maybe you know um everyone wants to think it's like oh so easy and it's like all an instant um and i think that can kind of lead some people astray and lead people to think that if they don't do it in an instant, then it's going to not happen, you know? Yeah. And a lot of people, when they set these goals and when they move towards those goals or when they accomplish big things in their lives, they do it because of motivation, because they have these bursts of motivation. And like we were talking about earlier, that's something you want to get away from, away from, right? You don't need motivation to work towards your goal. And that kind of gets us into our first topic, which inspiration, or which is inspiration leads to motivation and motivation leads to action. And this is a cycle. Yeah, so we um, we touched a little bit on this in our last episode with um, our kind of goal setting. Um, and I think something that's gonna start out here is um, goal setting we, we kind of want to forget everything about goal setting. Goal setting is not... We'll get into that. Goals are goals are very helpful for like a, giving you a direction. Yeah, set the direction, but it's not how you get any actual work done. Well, that, yeah, I mean, that's, that's where motivation comes in, right? People set a goal, and they just kind of wait for motivation to come. Mm-hmm. Or, maybe, or maybe you don't even have a goal, and well, what we'll get into a little bit more is general systems versus specific systems. And we'll get into that a little bit more, but there's, you know, we don't, we don't think ourselves into new ways of living. We live ourselves into new ways of thinking. 
right? And a lot of people say, oh, you know, if you think, if all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're like, you know, turning pro is not some switch that you can flip in your brain because we can't, like I said, we can't think ourselves into new ways of living. I think one problem with these goals is you think about this goal and then you think, oh, I have this thought now that's like what I needed. That's, oh, that's going to turn me right. Pro. Yeah. Like that's supposed it, it's, to It's kind of like that. Yeah. And that's, that's where goals can kind of be misleading. And that's where we want to kind of not rely so much on goals, kind of flip it back and go into the main topic about this episode systems. True. Well, first I'd like to, I like to go back a little bit. So there's a point when we think about turning pro where we have to realize that most of us are already professionals in something. Right. I guess, you know, the definition is you make money doing something, but there's a little more to it. Right. Like people have a job. Most people have jobs. Right. You go to your job every day and you show up to that job. School is also a job. School. Yeah. School. School is a job. You know, school does not. I mean, maybe middle school, high school, but as you get farther in your educational journey. Right. School doesn't stop for you. You know, if you get sick one day, school doesn't stop. You're still expected to learn the material and lecture or you're still expected to, you know, answer these emails, right? Like you may not be able to answer them, but they're still piling up. And that's part of life. And that is a certain mindset shift. We're expected to be there at a job every morning, right? If you work a nine to five, expected to be there from nine to five doing your work. And that's a system that other people have put in place for you in exchange for, you know, compensation, right? Monetary compensation. And that is a system that works very well for keeping people doing, you know, what it is they're supposed to be doing. I'm not saying you like to do it, right? Like you hear these stories of people, you know, hating their jobs or spending months or years in a job they don't like. But it's easy when you have someone else to control that system for you because yeah, well, it, it takes that stress like away. That shows how powerful systems are, right? Like you may not like doing it. But you still get out and do it. Yeah. I mean, like, even school, you don't like all your classes. But you've chosen to put yourself in this system because you enjoy this end goal, right? Or you want to move towards this end goal. We've talked about this a little bit before in other videos. But, you know, that's how important and powerful these systems are. And when we look at, you know, aspects of our lives, we're already professionals. And we can gain a lot of understanding from that. You know, it's not just taking your endeavors more seriously, right? It's showing up every day. It's how we identify with our jobs and how we master our jobs and how we're committed in the long haul, right? And we even talked a little bit about one of our last episodes is, you know, people can self-study, especially in computer science. I hear this a lot, right? Either from industry professionals like, oh, you can self-study all of this. You can, you know, learn all this online, which is true. You can. There's a lot of great resources online, especially for computer science and I'm sure for a lot of other disciplines. But school is a system that I don't think I could replicate on my own. Like, I am not motivated enough. And frankly, very, very few people are to work to put this system together themselves. Right, people say college is, some people say college is worthless, right? All you get is a piece of paper, a diploma, right? You can learn all this stuff online, but that's not exactly the point. Because if I told you, 
you know, I'm a junior and I've learned countless languages and countless softwares and technologies. And I've learned all about computational thinking and I've taken math classes and a tons of disciplines, right? Like if I told you to study all that by yourself in four years, you could not be that efficient. You, you can't. Yeah. Or it would be very difficult to be that efficient, right? Like you're paying all this money or, you know, maybe you're lucky you have scholarships or you've, you know, done really well. And, you know, you're putting yourself in a position where the system is given to you, which is great for, you know, motivation and getting through it. And like I said, that just points to how powerful they are. And that's something that personally, like, I would need. I don't think I'd be nearly as successful in computer science as I am. I think when people talk about those um, those outliers of the system, it's important to remember that, like, they're, they're outliers. They're, they're not the norm. Um, and I think, you know, you trade, like, the money you pay is you pay for, I, I'm a strong believer that money can buy time, and I think that's what it does. I think it, it buys the time of efficiency. It allows you sure. to, sure, you could do everything, but you pay this money to do it efficiently and do it, like, certifiably correct, I yeah. guess, or, like, you know it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Like, it holds some, it still does hold weight in the job market, right, like a degree. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, I mean, this kind of goes back. We are talking a little bit about the toxic self-help genre. And trust me, I've seen my fair share of YouTube videos that are, you know, I just shake my head at. And completely it's the struggles with. when you research stuff like this. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you can't, you really can't go very far without running into this whole systems goals thing. And there's some, you know, misleading information. It's really common to see these, you know, Instagram influencers or these day in the life videos on YouTube. And you see these people get up at four and, you know, 5 a.m. and they always have a jam-packed busy day. And, you know, filming yourself for either monetary gain or just to put on YouTube or just to hold yourself accountable, that is a system. You know, they do not do this every day, I promise. Most of those... Most of them, not all of them. I would say most of them are very fake. And I mean, you could just think about it like yourself. I think there's there's one quote. Oh, I forget, totally forget where I heard it. I kind of think about it. It's like if a camera crew was following you all day, filming you achieving your greatness, right? Isn't this a Joe Rogan quote? I think it's, Joe I think it's a Joe Rogan quote. You, God. I mean, sometimes, sometimes I'm, I'm sitting in my bed and I kind of think about it. I'm like, you know, what if a, if a camera crew is Omni right now? And, like, around and they're, at the, they're at the low point in your life. <laughs> they're at yeah. the, the opening scene of the movie where your life's a mess. Yeah, well, it's like, what if they filmed, like, you getting there, you know? But what am I doing? I'm sitting on my ass in my bed, you know, watching YouTube videos. Because that is a very real part of your life that everyone does at some point. I know, but it, it's a little motivating, you know? Yeah, but, like, you need to relax. You need to relax just for as sure. much as you need for to sure. work. No, I, I agree with that, but, I mean, you know, if I had a camera on me all day, I'd definitely be more motivated to do things, and that, and that's not, not normal. So, you know, when you see when you see all this stuff online, when everyone has a camera on them, you know, that is a system. And, honestly, this podcast for us is a system. Right, like we enjoy learning about this stuff, but by making this podcast, we've taken it to a new level, and that gives us a lot of motivation and inspiration, and and we 
use that to make action towards this goal, right? Of learning about all these things. I think it, um, it follows the same train of thought as going to a coffee shop to get your work done instead of staying in your house and working there. Mm -hmm. It's a similar train of thought where you get more motivated when you're putting something out there or just in the world, I guess, working for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We should, uh, get into systems. Well, I mean, first we got to talk about goals. And like I said earlier, you can't get very far into the self-help genre without running into this. I think we've done a good bit of talking about goals already. Well, I mean, goals are, goals are still important, right? Like setting smart goals, right? Uh, m- most specifically measurable and realistic. Yeah. The whole point of that is goals as a direction mm-hmm. and systems as the way to move forward in that direction that you choose right yeah so a very famous book in this kind of genre is called atomic habits i'm sure many of you have heard of it before if you haven't heard of it highly recommend giving it a read it's one of the largest points of this book is these systems right you know setting smart goals is important but implementing systems is what keeps us on the path right and prevents us from being subject to motivation you know, goal set directions and then systems that we implement make progress. So the whole point they that they point out is that winners and losers have the same goals, right? Yeah, I think um, an important part to like talk about these systems is setting systems is difficult. Um, and it's again, it's the same thing where once you start the system and get it moving, I think it's much easier to keep everything going than it is to start it up. Yeah, well, it's just like any, you know, good habit, right? You know, it's difficult, but once you get there, you can make such consistent progress. And like you said, that's the important part of it. Yeah, yeah, the right, consistency, is, is even the consistency if it's not a lot. It. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that you're doing it every day. Yeah. You know, like, oh, like I said, winners and losers have the same goals, but what really sets them apart are these systems. Right. Achieving a goal is only a very momentary gain, like, like cleaning your room. You know, your room's dirty. You get motivation. You clean it. But it's not fixing the underlying issue of why your room was messy. Right. Like a week later, now my room is messy again. I especially see this at home because I never unpack any of my clothes when I move home. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you get motivation. You clean it. A week later, your room's messy. What's a system you can implement? To just, like, put away your clothes as soon as you get into your room. Right. I mean, there's so many things. Like, we, you know, have our shoe thing at, by our front door. I think um, an example I thought about that I kind of liked was, like, like an example of how it gets easier is I think of it as, like, learning a math equation where I'll just use, like, what A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Mm-hmm. Like, you could learn... Say you like learned how to do an equation without the formula and you're like, all right, well, these specific numbers, um, you know, you can like solve the formula by adding like, say, two squared plus three squared or something like that. Oh, you mean? And then, mm. but you don't know the formula behind it. Right. So it's hard to transfer into another question because you can't recognize, you know, what needs to be plugged in where. But if you learn the formula behind it first then you can look at that question as well as other questions. And now you recognize like, 
okay, these are the steps I need to take. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, like you're talking about Pythagorean theorem, like, and most of math is so in is so based off of geometry. Like, I feel like when a lot of people learn Pythagorean theorem, um, you you see how the geometry, right? You have a triangle, you have two squares on both sides, and there's a geometric relation between all of these sides in the areas of these squares, right? And you know, that, that's, I think that's, I remember that's how I learned derivatives too. Back in like calculus or like pre-calc. You know, y- they gave us a little like Desmos thing and we had to find the area of something. And then you realize, you know, to find the area under a line, you just make it flat. And then you found, like, you know, there are so many of these patterns that you see and then you realize and then it's so much more applicable to everything else. Thank you. Yes. Yes. I flushed that's out what, my idea. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. And I mean, you know, these patterns, I mean, that's one of the reasons that I've preached going to the gym so much, I feel like, in these episodes. I think we need to stop. We just preach it 24-7. I know, but it, but it just makes everything easier. You know, it's like a, once you implement a system, then you kind of, like, I see it in other parts of my life. See like, other systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you, you are very right, though. Well, one thing, actually researching this um, episode, one thing I do kind of want to do is try an hourly like planner right like have Mm -hmm. you ever seen those no i I think i've done it at some point but it is it's so difficult to keep up with well i have a planner that like you know i write down everything i need to do that day but there are no times associated with any of them Mm -hmm. so i kind of want to try like having a time i I struggle with estimating how much time each task is going to take true i mean you could also just be less specific you don't have to be yeah. super specific about each task. Um, well, because um, setting a time has, that's something I've learned with doing um, kind of like an asynchronous school system right now mm-hmm. is setting a time uh, instead of just saying, oh, I'm going to do this at some point today, having a system like I get home uh, from the gym and then at this time specifically I'm going to start. That has helped me a little bit with being more like accountable having like mm-hmm. a more set schedule. I'll, I'll be, it's been difficult to like keep myself on that track. Um, yeah. But I think that's just another step of making it a little easier to follow. I mean, I th- also think it's easier to make these decisions prior, right? Like a decision, say what you want to do when, right? Like with this hourly planner, if you, you know, if I go to class from, I don't know, nine to two, Right. I have all this time after 2 p.m. But if, you know, the day before I plan out my day in these hourly blocks, say I want to study from 2.30 to 4.30 before, like, I go back to my apartment and make dinner or something like that. You know, making this decision the night before is so much easier because I'm not confronted with the reality that I have to do it. And it's kind of easier to follow a plan that you've already made for yourself than it is. The problem is actually sticking with it. Yeah, but I think it's easier to stick with it when you've already made that decision to do it. That's then if point. you were to yes, get home no, from I class agree. and be yeah. tired and be like, oh, what do I want to do? Well, you know, I could really go for, you know, a sandwich and a YouTube video right now or something like that, right? Something that's not as productive. Mm-hmm. We can get into uh, general and specific systems right now. Oh, yeah. So this, this is something that I actually thought about as I was reading a lot of this stuff. 
I haven't completely flushed out the idea. But for me, a specific system is something that relates to a very to a more specific goal. Or like I want to try this hourly planner thing, right? Mm-hmm. But that is not that does not relate to a specific goal. That's because it helps me with all of my goals, right? And a specific system is something that say you have a goal of being healthy, right? And you've divided this goal into, well, I want to do cardio twice a week and I want to eat, you know, 500 less calories a day than I do now. Making goals to, or making systems to go to these goals is more specific. And I think the great part about systems in general is you don't always need a goal. And the the hope of this system is that you forget about your goal. I, I think that's the important part. Right. I think that's the very important part about systems. Yeah, you want to elaborate on that, like forgetting your goal? Yeah, because um, I think this has also been very applicable to me. I'll get into an example later. But th- when you worry about the goal so much, it can kind of cloud what, what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and because the I guess the end goal of the goal is not to achieve what you set out to do. I mean, it is, but it's to, even after you achieve it, you want to still do what you do. Like, you know, the hope is you get motivated to do your schoolwork to study for this test. Mm -hmm. After the test is over, you don't just want to go back to not studying because you've achieved your goal. You want to get this system in place so you have a continually growing chance to, like, keep working. Exactly. No, no, I completely agree. I mean, when you start these, even if you had a specific goal, like running our, or, our or 10 mile race, running a 10 mile, this is a perfect example that both of us, you know, have, mm-hmm. go, have gone through. We stopped running after we ran the race. Yeah. And I've, I've done it for two years and both years I stopped running. Right. So I ran a 10 mile, the Medtronic 10 mile in, what is it? The first weekend in October. Yes. Yeah. Right. So it's the first weekend in October every year. I've ran it twice. Well, I ran the loon. I ran the challenge. Whatever. I ran the ten mile. Um, and we started running in May, maybe a little before that. We started running like when summer kind of came around. It it didn't pick up till the end, but yeah, we started. True. There. We started like our training process, especially the first year I did. It. I started my training process in May. Right. I get home, and then like. Me and Tara go out and we run. And we run, say, twice a week. Sometimes we ran more. Most times we ran less, right? And then we get to this 10 mile. We do the 10 mile and we drop running altogether. After it's done, just forget about it. Right? And I'm like, okay, I'll start training next year for this new goal. For the next race. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I don't feel super bad about it. I have more important things that I'd rather focus on to, like, keep me healthy, like weightlifting and swimming. Um, so I'm not super disappointed that I stopped it, but it is incredibly applicable. I I think it's just a very real example. Um, yeah, it's real because we've both obviously lived it. I mean, sure. You can think, you can think about so many parts of your life where you achieve the goal and then achieve the goal and dropped it and then you're done for sure. I think, yeah, no, yeah, you're very right. Yeah. I could get, I could probably get into a couple more examples, but we'll skip over that. I'll let you think about it. It's so easy when you don't have those systems in place because we said we wanted to train, but we really didn't have any concrete systems in place. 
to train. Like, I think we tried to learn about. Well, you you read I, that book. I, I read a book. Um, yeah, it was it was a very good book. Um, Faster Road Racing. Right? Yeah, yeah. Faster Road Racing. By, who was it? Um, can't remember the author. Ah, can't remember the author right now. Um, but I think part of it. I think it was such a good learning experience mm-hmm. where even though we dropped it afterwards, going back for this next year, we're just going to have such a better understanding of what the work actually takes mm-hmm. um, so that hopefully this next time the system can be put in place, you know, more efficiently and hopefully I can continue to run after the race is over. Right. And that's a decision we need to make before we start training. Because I think one of the problems is we went into training. You're right. We didn't we didn't say we were going to continue running afterwards. We, well, we didn't think about it. True. I don't think we wanted to really. I know you didn't. I didn't want to. I guess it's something I never really confronted. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also when we started to train, we didn't make we didn't have a plan. Right. Like the very first time we ran, we're like, OK, we're going to go out and run. But we didn't have a, oh, I'm going to run three times a week. Or even, we, we or, didn't even have a distance. We would just go out and run. Like, we had a loop um, that we'd run around a nearby park. But yeah. And, and the problem is, like, we knew all this stuff, right? Like, we talked about, you know, growing weekly mileages, doing interval, tra- which is incredibly, a uh, very effective training exercise for running, is running, like, sprint intervals and doing hills, Right, it's so much more than very just underrated. running. Isn't it? Very and, underrated, and we knew it too. And you had and read this still book, and we still it. didn't implement this because we had went into it without creating the system, and then it just kind of became okay. This this will do. I still remember. I told Tara multiple weeks after we get done with the run. I'm like, yeah, we should do an interval training sometime soon. Like I, ha- I had yeah. an interval training workout. Well, we even had a hill like picked out and stuff. Yeah, and, a place and it just never happened. Yeah, it never happened. Yeah, because we we really just did not implement that system. I mean, signing up for these races is a great way to motivate yourself because you're almost forced to implement a system. Or at least for us. Again, no, I completely agree. This ties back to the school example. Mm -hmm. It's, in a way, it's a system that is put in place by someone else, you know, that, Mm -hmm. that is helping you get your own systems put in place. Yeah. Well, like, you pay a bunch of money. Right? Yeah. And then you're also scared to run a 10 mile. Terrified. 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 Right. And you're you're scared and that was my that was my motivation. Right? I'd be I'd wake up and be like, you know, or I'd work out or I'd do whatever and be like, oh shit, like I this is looming task over is looming me. over me. Yeah, yeah exactly. And like, that I was a problem because I needed that motivation to get myself out to run. And that was a huge problem. Because it did not allow me to effectively train. And I mean, these systems also go for so many things. Like, I wrote a couple examples down here. Like, living a more healthy life, right? Like, you know, that's not a smart goal. That's not measurable. And that's not, I mean, you can, you have to pick a metric. It is measurable. You need to pick a metric and you need to pick a goal. You need to pick like a task. And the hope is maybe you pick a goal okay, I want to be, you know, 20 pounds lighter or I want to be 20 pounds heavier and, that you know, I want that to be lean muscle or I want to, you know, do X thing. And hope the hope is that leads into a more, as you implement a system, it leads to a more general goal, right? Like I want to be healthier. 
or I want to be more confident. I think that's a really big goal that people go into the gym with, right? Is maybe, oh, you know, I want to go to work out and get stronger, but kind of in the back of their mind, like, okay, I want to be more confident or I want to be, I want to look like this. And the hope is that this general goal eventually leads to general systems, right? And so many aspects of your life are systems that I didn't even think about until I, you know, read a little bit more into like atomic habits. Um, for, for instance, like washing my face, right? Like all and these little things food. that you do. Yeah. And like how you yeah. eat, like your diet. But there are so many things that you can look at that you can really get involved in and you can nitpick and you can, you know, make better. And these systems evolve over time drastically. At least that's the hope. And really, well, do you have anything else to say about systems? I think one example I did, I, I'll bring up my example that I had in mind now. Um, I've been really like researching this episode and specifically this about um, kind of more focusing less on the end goal and more on the systems, I think hit really close to me um, solely for, cause like I want to, I want to, I'm learning how to sew right now. Yep. Um, and I've, I've made a few strides. I've, I've like done a few things recently. Um, but the problem that I was facing was I was so focused on the end goal of what I wanted to happen. Like the end goal is fashion designer. Mm -hmm. And I was so focused on that end goal that I I would lose the system that I had in place um, on my day-to-day life. Cause I, I don't know, I don't know how, but it would just get lost in translation. Um, And I think really pulling back from that, not worrying about the goal. I've, I've started to make more, I thought for some reason I would make less progress. Um, mm. but I've started to make a lot more progress. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, th- I think it's something interesting that I tried where I think it w- I was almost like scared to let go of this goal. Cause I'm like, if I let go of the goal, you know, I won't be able to have the motivation or I won't be able to, um, like know, like where to go. Um, but I think like pulling it back and really looking at the day to day aspect of it, um, really helped me with realizing like, what am I actually doing or like, where's my current place at? I think that was important is to look at where I currently was, Mm. um, instead of where I wanted to be. And it's something you obviously don't really want to do, but I think at the same time it was an important reality check. Yeah, that was something that really hit me when researching this. I forget where I saw it, but something that I talked about, you know, goals are meant to be forgotten. And I was like, wait, back up. Like, you know, that goes against everything. Right? And then I think back to my original goals in swimming or, you know, I, I think... I think I like to talk about the gym so much too because it's so personal, right? Like with with school and work and swimming too, I've, you know, been a part of a team. I've been a part of an institution. I've been a part of a company, right? And I've had a lot of these systems put in place for me, but working out, you know, I've been completely on my own. And I formed the system and we formed the system right where we go, you know, Every day, and we, you know, have all these the research routines. on exercises done by yourself, yep, routines research. put together. I mean, by even yourself. like, you know, buying the belt, like, you know, 
all the stuff we do with pre-workout and diet and, you know, all this stuff has evolved our system. And we've really created this system that we enjoy and I've forgotten all my goals, right? Like when I first started working out, I probably had like a weight. I think I was 155 when I started working out. I probably, I think I had a weight goal, maybe like 165, 170, or maybe I had a goal to like bench two plates, right? Like bench 225. Or maybe I had a goal to look a certain way. I don't know. It doesn't matter because I f- have since forgotten. I've since hit those goals and forgotten about them. And I even forgot about them before I I'm hit trying to goals. think. I don't I, – I know I must have had a goal. Exactly. I can't remember it. Yeah. And now it's just part of your daily life because you, because you fell, fell in love with the process. And I've just I've, – we've steadily gotten better. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the fun part is like watching that growth happen. Um, and I think that's really something that can only happen when you truly like put those goals away or not, not like don't like maybe not completely forget about them, but you know, just don't, don't think about them every mm-hmm. day. They shouldn't be something you think about. Yeah. And because they can also sometimes even be negative or like, you know, maybe they can be a, a distressor, you know, right? Like the race. If we had a system, I wouldn't be as stressed because we had a system in place where we knew if we stuck to the system, we would be able to get to our goal. But we didn't. That required motivation. That stressed me out. Everything started falling. And then I ran because I was stressed out and not because I wanted to run. But like when you when we signed up for the race, it was like, oh, you know, we want to run. We want to do this. And Mm. it just shifted to something else. I mean, it's it's easier to make those decisions, you know a year out from the race, right? Like if you're signing up for a marathon, you're signing up like a year in advance or well, I think maybe it's more like six to eight months in advance. I'm not percent sure. But you're signing up so far in advance, it's so easy to make that decision. Like, oh yeah, I'm going to run a marathon at eight months. Like now I can train or I'm going to run a 10 mile in eight months. Like now I can train for it. And it's so easy to make that decision. So why wouldn't you also implement a system at that point? You know, and you're right. You know, it's not super easy to stick to, but I mean, this kind of gets to our next point, like thinking strategically, right? This is a big part about setting goals and setting systems and thinking strategically is incredibly difficult to do because... Incredibly difficult by yourself. I think that's a point I want to make. Sorry, no, continue. I'll, I'll add that on later. Yes. Well, I, th- I think the biggest part about thinking strategically is the fact that you have to sometimes change your worldview or you have to be open, which is the hardest part to do, which you're right, sure. is a lot easier with other people. I, um, what I wanted to make by that is I thought about um, in one of my classes, we're learning, it's like a politics class, and we're learning how to detach our personal thoughts from our like like when you learn about political views, you don't want your personal feelings to interfere with what you're learning about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that can be kind of the same way for like these goals is it, it's like critical thinking skills. And one thing we talk about is it's a lot easier when you like talk with other people about this and like bounce ideas off um, for the same reason that it's easier to look at other people's problems more objectively than your own. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Well, because yeah. you're not emotionally involved in that. Yeah, and, and so, you know, even just getting a quick opinion from someone, and then when you go back to yourself in your own head, 
it is much easier to think, well, like this person has this view. I can kind of see where they're coming from. Maybe I need to think about this a little differently. Yeah. Well, and this, I mean, this is just going to be another place for me to plug. One of the most important things I think I've ever learned is that people, that humans make decisions emotionally and justify those decisions logically after they're made. Right. This goes for, you know, or I think my example I used earlier was in interviews, right? Like a big goal is for you to just be a nice person and be their friend, you know, and talk with them and show interest because people will make that decision emotionally and then justify it based on your experience and your resume, right? Like, I mean, you look at these top schools, right? Like Stanford, a lot of these people that apply, like they can look at your GPA and they can look at what classes you've taken and they can see like, okay, this person has the athletic, athletic, has the academic ability to succeed at the school. And a lot of these people that apply have an academic ability to succeed. Boom. They've they've done the justification, right? Like typically, if you're applying to those schools, they have all the evidence they need to justify that. But you need to sell them emotionally. And that is incredibly difficult to do, especially when you are. I think that's what really separates people. Um, yeah, those like high end applications. Absolutely. When you have two people with the same GPA, you know. I mean, I've seen some crazy applicate. Like, you know, I've done a lot of research on stuff like that, and I've read a lot of applications that have been accepted into like Stanford, for instance. And some of them are crazy. Some of them are insane. Like some of them, I would not. I would like you would have to pay me so much money to write that sentence on an application. Like, I don't know if I'd be embarrassed. I don't know if it just wasn't an accurate representation of who I am, but I, oh, I need to find it. I will find it eventually. Some of them are crazy. And I'd be like, how did this person get in? But if you go through all these copy paste applications all the time and you see this and then, you know, you're sold at some aspect of this emotionally and then you see great grades, you're like, oh, this is, you know, a great candidate. Yeah. Yeah. And I think especially like for internships, you know, you learn all of this stuff on the job. Like, you are not expected to know everything that's on the job description because I can tell you for a goddamn fact that 99.9% of the people applying to these entry-level and entry-level positions and internships do not know everything on the Man, on the I, I could tell you that just from looking at my old coworkers. Yeah. Some of them, some of them <laughs> love. But I love, some love, of them... Love, yeah. Some of them you see working, and I think, like, how did you get through this application process? Like, you look at the website, and I'm like, mm-hmm. you have absolutely zero of the requirements that they list on here. Yeah. I mean, and you're supposed to learn on the job. You're to supposed a certain to, extent, and yes. But with I, that I being said, I would pressure you, right, if you're thinking about applying or thinking about really doing anything and you think you're not qualified, I'd say do it. I've applied to so many internships that I am not qualified. If you were, like, I know enough to be able to be successful in the job. Like, I don't think I've ever applied to a job where I don't think I could be successful in that position. Do I know everything on their job description? Absolutely not. No way. Like, some of these, I don't even want to get into it. Some of them are crazy. I think, um, I'm going to tie this to an example that kind of, like, I've had recently. I've been climbing a lot. Um, That's been one of my hobbies I've, like, picked up really serious recently. Uh, Bouldering climbing. Bouldering, yeah, bouldering. For anyone Um, out there Very different. Mm -hmm. Um, And I go with my friends, 
And so I've just gotten into like V4, V5 territory. But for like weeks straight, I would look at these V, I'll say like V5s. Like orange and blacks. 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 And what else is there? What overlap is there? Probably orange and blue a little bit. Okay. Okay. Um, But so I've like, I look, I would look at them on the wall and I would, I would write them off before I would even attempt them. Um, And it took me, it, it took my friend to push me and say, yo, stop thinking like this. It's not going to hurt. Like, what's the worst that could happen? You fall on the mat, you walk away, nothing changes. And what really shocked me is I could do it. Like, there were were climbs that I looked at that I didn't think I could do just because the holds were a different color. Um, And I would go and I'd, you know, I'd clear them. And then I'd feel obviously very good about myself. Also, sometimes you just, you get lucky. Yes. Sometimes yeah. you get, I mean, and less so with maybe climbing. I guess my mind was still on internships and like, like jobs. Mm-hmm. Right. Like sometimes you, or even with school, like sometimes you literally just get lucky. And well, it's crazy that some people don't think luck exists. First of all, luck exists. I, I think luck exists, but I think when you look at it from a job part, I think, you know, what is it? You need to be able to capitalize on the luck. Yeah. Oh, so, that's, that's like, 100%. if you take two people and they both hit the same role, um, it only one of them might be able to truly capitalize on it, yeah, and become like successful, as you can see. Well, I'm so I'm reading this book called The Black Swan. It's it's called you know The Black Swan. It's the impact of the highly improbable, and it talks a lot about luck. It talks a lot about you know these black swan events are basically luck, either good or bad. And talks about, you know, opening yourself up and really putting yourself in a position to capitalize on Black Swan events and to, you know, maximize the amount of, you know, good Black Swan events that could happen to you. Because luck is something that you can use in your favor. And I really want to do a whole entire episode on on luck and on the book and on I think that's Black another Swan events and how incredibly unpredictable our world is i think something that capitalizes on luck obviously goes back to our original point this episode consistency Mm -hmm. keeping these systems in place and being consistent with it think about it if it's a 0.1 percent chance you know you're gonna have a lot higher if you do two days instead of only one day of that point like say it happens once a day Mm -hmm. you know two days turns into three days and you just keep rolling for it for sure. It doesn't mean don't 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 buy a lottery ticket every day. Please <laughs> just don't. don't. <laughs> I'm just that's the person that came to mind. It's the wrong application. Please do not go out and buy a lottery ticket every single day. Yeah. Um <clears throat> But yeah, it's so I I real I have realized like since reading this book, or I'm I think I'm halfway through at this point, since reading part of this book, what I realize is every so every morning I get an email from Investopedia. Because I like to know what's going on in the business world. It's just like a daily email, or every every day the stock market's open. Newsletter kind of thing. Yeah, it's or? like a it's like a newsletter. Okay. It's yeah. like what's happening in global markets, you know, notable stocks, you know, earnings reports, stuff like that. And you know, as far as everybody knows, <clears throat> as far as the best investors will tell you, the stock market is impossible to predict. And this is backed up by quite a bit of science as well, or quite a bit of data, I should say, right? The stock market is incredibly difficult to predict. Yet every day I go on Investopedia 
and everything says because, and that's one of the biggest points of this book, is that in hindsight, it is so easy for us to justify everything, right? Like I can literally pull up today's Investopedia email. It's Tuesday, January 17th, you know, um, on Friday, stocks finished higher to cap a strong week on reports that show easing inflation and a jump in consumer sentiment, right? For the week, the Dow was up 2%, blah, 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 you know, one month low before rebounding, you know, in China, everything's up because of some, you know, because of some numbers that were released, right? Their economy expanded by 3%. It's all of these because, because, because. There's an example in this book that really struck me. So you can measure, right? Like people always say they use the stock market to predict things. Like things are priced in, right? So you can say, you know, if people think the government is going to spend more money, you can buy government bonds or you can buy these like futures. You, you can basically buy these types of bonds that, that will go up if the government ends up spending more money or needing more money, right? And this is a huge thing in war, right? War, unlike any other event on this world, increases government spending, right? And when you look at, if I were to ask you why World War II ha- happened, you could give me a very detailed answer, Yeah, right? Like you can run through all these events, right? Germany was an absolute economic ruin, right? You have a charismatic leader that promised greatness. You have an eventual you know, invasion of Poland, you have all this stuff going on in Russia, you have Pearl Harbor, you know, in December, and Japan's bombing of this, and you have, literally, you can map out all of these reasons why World War II eventually led to what it was. But if you look at these bond prices that show people, you know, that people, if they thought war was going to happen, they would go up, right? But you see no evidence, if you look at these bond prices, that anybody thought government spending was going to increase. And you can see this for a lot of different wars. People had no idea that war was going to happen at the moment, according to this metric of, you know, economic value, right? And then you look back. And that's insane. Like, well, okay, I don't know how early it was, but, like, you look at the invasion of Poland and you're like, how is that not a telltale sign of war? Right. I mean, or, I mean, you look at so many things. And even, like, you know, the U.S. was did not want to get involved at the start. Mm-hmm. And, you know, or, like, you know, signing with Japan and, like, Italy and, like, the Axis powers, like, coming together. All of this stuff. Yeah, you can look at it now and be like, oh, yeah, of course World War II is How could you not see that coming? But in, yeah. hi- but like in hindsight, it's so obvious. But you look at these economic factors, people had no idea. Even after, what, we declared war a day, two days. I don't even know when we declared war after Pearl Harbor was bombed. Very shortly after. But this wasn't priced in until we declared war. Even after Pearl Harbor was bombed by, by the Japanese. Like, that's just crazy. I don't know. It's just... The world is much more unpredictable than you think. And I, I would really, you should definitely read that book. I would like to do a whole episode I, on I that think, book. I think I've, it sounds really like very it. interesting because yeah. that is a phenomenal example. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, so uh, back to strategic thinking. So, oh, so strategic thinking is by definition, I'm going re- to read this word for word, is a reasoning process that supports goal-oriented decision-making using curiosity, information synthesis, and pattern recognition to generate solutions and update your world, re- world view. And that's incredibly important. 
is to update your worldview, which is the most difficult part of strategic thinking. Right? Because in strategic thinking, that's what you use to contemplate future possibilities. Right? When you think ahead, it involves what? Pattern recognition from previous which you know, experiences. We've already talked about mm-hmm. pattern recognition and being able to apply that to other things. Yep. You know, you're identifying macro themes at different levels. You know, you have you have complicated trade-offs, right? You have to think about all this stuff at once. You have, I mean, you can go down the rabbit hole of opportunity cost, right? Like you, you don't truly know how something would pan out. Like if you picked one job over another, maybe you'd like it more. But you know, you can go like, oh, if I, you know, don't move to New York, maybe I wouldn't get to see you know these cousins as much or you know, there's this opportunity I also have. Like, what if I get that? Like, you can go down the rabbit hole of opportunity costs and you're frozen by, you know, paralysis by analysis at that point. And there's so much stuff to think about. So it's incredibly important when thinking about these future decisions to think strategically. And this also comes because this is what really helps you implement these systems because we want to get as far away from needing motivation as possible. I think... Something that comes with this um, that's very, very difficult is updating your worldview. Um, Because in the same way that it's scary to start a system, it can be just as scary to change a system that is in place, even if it's not working the way you want it to. Because essentially it's starting over, you know, from scratch. That's all it is. Yeah, I mean, it's incredibly important to, I mean, even even asking the questions like, how how did I create my worldview? What could I do to change it? What would change it? What are my priorities? Why did I create my worldview how I did? And do my priorities still make sense given my current situation? This is something that needs to be looked at a lot because worldviews can be very... Well, really, it just shows a lack of education, I think. I mean, the the best way to update your worldview is to educate yourself. I think one thing is people are scared to be wrong. Yeah. I remember, um, I can't remember who it was specifically, but there was a time where I messed up and I said, I I was talking to like an adult, someone in a place Mm -hmm. of power. I think it was at my work or something. I said, I'm very sorry. Like, this is my fault. Um, You know, I'll, I'll make this right. And what they said to me was, wow, like, I'm very impressed with how you took, like, ownership of that. Like, Mm. most people would not be able to admit that they were wrong in this situation. And for, I think, a lot of us, hopefully, like, it came as a shock for me to hear that. Yeah. Because I'm like, I messed up. There's nothing, like, I don't know how other people, like, couldn't see that or, like, wouldn't want to admit that. Like, I messed up. It's my fault. And then I look around and I think, well, you know, maybe I do understand that some people have an issue with being wrong. Like, they don't want to be wrong. I mean, that's, hopefully you've grown up in a system. And I mean, there's so much, you know, school does not always do the best at making people comfortable. With being wrong. With being wrong. Yeah, exactly. You're right. You're right. And yeah, I mean, being wrong is the most important part. Also, sometimes I feel like identifying, I mean, that's why, Honestly, I think that's why politics are so polarizing. Or at least one of the reasons is because when you identify with a group, when you grow up your whole life like identifying with someone, sometimes these views just come in and because you identify with that group, you are 
not forced to agree with them, but you know, that's, you know, your idea that you take without doing, without educating yourself above that. Yeah. There was a point we made last episode which can be stated again because it ties into this, and that is being able to separate yourself from your work. I think that's very important, even if your work is going to be these systems, because being able to separate yourself from that and not realizing that it was you that was wrong, but rather these systems that were incorrect, Mm -hmm. um, I think is going to make it a lot easier when you... I'm not even going to say eventually, when you... like well, when you're going to run into these issues and need to revamp these systems. Just to recap what we talked about, it is about kind of like the importance of systems, the importance of consistency, um, kind of like turning pro um, is a way to make those systems happen. Yeah, I mean, really it's all about consistency. That That's, that's the key with, just about anything we do. Yeah, with these, you know, developing these specific symptoms, specific systems and general systems and really having these goals to guide you or these these goals to set a direction and these systems to make progress, right? So I'm not saying goal setting is not a valuable part of the process, but but it may not be as valuable as people always think. I would say, yeah, you know, I'd say... I th- I think a lot of people will benefit from switching their thought process to systems instead mm-hmm. of goals because that's actually out of researching all these three episodes so far that was where I saw the most dramatic like you know if you want to talk about a shift in an instant yeah it was when I switched my thinking to more about systems for sure yeah I can believe that yeah so I, I you know thinking strategically is also a very important part of making systems. Um, be more open, expose yourself, take, take a few risks. Don't be know? afraid to be wrong. Don't be afraid to be wrong. I really do want to talk a little bit more about luck. I think that would be incredibly interesting. We'll definitely have to do an episode on that soon. They'll just have to wait for, yeah. you know, episodes down the line. Um, I just want to say thanks again so much for taking the time to listen. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. Sorry. It's been so long. Staying um, with us as we get everything figured out and continue to produce episodes. Yeah. I'd like to start a couple of systems of our own, either for this podcast or really just looking more into doing that weekly hour or the hourly day planner. And I'll get back to you. See how that, see how that works. Remember right. to rate five stars. Yeah. Thank uh, you all leave very a review. much for taking the time. And we are always open to feedback, you mm-hmm. know, DM us on Instagram, let us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. Um, and we'll see you guys later. Yeah.